I think this is a very important thing in communities, which is what I'm talking about this morning. Cooperative communities, intentional communities in Dwapara Yuga. Leadership is a very important aspect of that. But a leader is not somebody who is more important than other people. He is somebody who is a servant of everybody, who thinks in terms of how he can help people. And there's another aspect. I know that I mentioned to Mr. Katikayan yesterday, we talked about leadership in communities, and he said, a leader must be a good follower. And I said, I don't know that I agree. And he said, well, but you're a perfect follower of your guru. I said, there's the difference. If I have somebody worthwhile to follow, I'll follow him. But people who follow, just because somebody is in charge and will accept any idiocy in the name of obedience, <laughs> will impose idiocy on other people. <laughs> I think the first important thing is that if a person is a leader, he must have a strong sense of truth. What is right? And he must have in that, <clears throat> in that sense also an awareness of humility in knowing that whatever his opinions are could be wrong. But there is a truth out there. And if he finds somebody who can represent that truth, that is the person worth listening to. I used to seem to be a very arrogant young man. Maybe I was. But the fact is I just wouldn't listen to anybody. I know when I was five years old, not exactly a young man yet, my mother wanted to teach us, to teach me how to write and read. And I looked at her skeptically. I said, and how do you know? You're not a teacher. You're just a mother. <laughs> and so they had somebody come from England who could teach us. <laughs> well, this was a very cheeky attitude, but it has been basic to me. If somebody's going to tell me something, I want to believe first that he has a right to say it, either because of the authority with which he speaks from his own experience or because of his, uh, um, whatever it is in life, not necessarily position, because I have seen a lot of <clears throat> very prominent people and so-called experts making foolish mistakes. But I remember my father one time, he was a, an oil geologist, and I was, uh, I'm very much uh, against this insistence of geology that everything is gradual. I'm sure there have been great cataclysms also that have determined the history of the human race. And uh, I mentioned <clears throat> certain aspects, for example, of Mexico City being so high, and I forget exactly the context, but he was very much against that kind of theory. And, he sa and I, I said I wouldn't agree with him. And he said, don't you think you should respect my opinion? I said, I do respect it as an opinion. <laughs> and <laughs> And uh, <clears throat> I'm afraid I drove him wild. <laughs> but the truth is I could not find anybody that I would listen to. It was not just because things were had to be reasonable. Truth had to resonate with my heart. 
When I was a child, I used to play with truth in, in such a way to show myself how uh, uncertain a thing is reason. I might have said, but didn't, in fact, say to my mother, I was not very fond of spinach, but I might have given her as a reason for not giving me spinach that it's green, and green is the color of envy. And besides, spinach has this sort of bitter taste, and you don't want your son growing up bitterly envious, do you? <laughs> <coughs> and I would, have, I would have used that argument completely for fun, knowing that it was ridiculous, but to, the underlying serious purpose of it was to persuade myself that uh, reason alone cannot give you truth. So many things seem reasonable and are not true. And so I always had to feel in my heart first. Now the astounding thing happened to me when I, <clears throat> when I read Autobiography of a Yogi. On page 8, Lahiri Mahashaya is materializing in a wheat field. There are so many miracles in that book that were totally beyond all experience of mine. I remember, in fact, having an argument with my mother because she was believing in the miracles of saints. And I said, Mother, don't be ridiculous. When I read that book, I knew he was speaking the truth. I took the next bus across the country to California from New York. I couldn't accept those miracles intellectually, so I put them on a shelf. Because I know, I said, I don't know, but I do know him. He's true. And my first words to him were, I want to be your disciple. I have never regretted those words. For the first time in my life, fortunately not the last time, I met someone whom I knew to be true. Now, I think this is what a leader needs to be. Somebody who will follow his inner guidance, not because somebody says so, but because something in him knows that this is what must be done. This is the first quality of leadership in a community. The second important quality for leadership in a community is a sense of one's own unimportance. Leadership is simply a skill, like painting, like carpentry, like cooking, like so many things. You learn how to work with people. You learn what works. You learn what doesn't work. You may have been in high positions in the past and therefore have come to understand that it's totally unimportant. So not to feel important, but to feel that what you are doing is important. And there have been two guidelines in our community, which now that we are celebrating our 40th anniversary, I'd like to suggest the, th the old saying, life begins at 40. <laughs> We've been here long enough to show that we... <clears throat> we have shown that we know what we're doing. We're not just beating around in the bush. And we know that we have something worthwhile to share with other people. 
And I'm finding more and more young people coming, and it thrills me to see it. Because I would like to see you young people go out and start other communities. But remember that leadership is very important part of it. Too many communities sort of try to let um, either, well, I know David Frawley, who is a very well-known teacher of Ayurveda and so on in America. He's come to Ananda a few times. Somebody, I think Jyotish and Devi said to him one time years ago, of all the different communities you've seen in America, which ones do you think are the best? And he said, well, Ananda, Ananda, and Ananda. <laughs> and he said to me that I've seen all the ashrams in America, I've seen all the new communities. The one community that I think will outlive its founder is Ananda. Because you have not tried to do it yourself. You've understood that you need many hands to make a miracle. You've understood that many, many different talents are needed. And uh, you've, been, uh, you've been able to work through people to make leaders out of them.